Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Today, we're going to continue on. We're going to talk about Jesus as the living water. But just a quick recap, we talked first in these types of Christ, looking back into the Old Testament to see where is Jesus in the Old Testament? What are the things that God did supernaturally to foreshadow the coming of Christ? And we're leading up to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, where Christ himself comes to fulfill the promise. So this series is called The Promise, and we're looking back at the promises of the Lord. We saw Abraham and Isaac hiking up the mountain. God told Abraham, the father, to sacrifice his one and only son, the promised son, the promised child. He actually promised that he would come and he would be born and a nation would be born through him and everyone would be blessed because of this child in the whole world. And so Abraham goes up on the mountain and he sac- was gonna sacrifice Isaac, but then God says, no, 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 I got this right at the last minute. And he sends a ram and he sends what we call Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. God is our provider, and he provided the sacrifice for us. Amen? He actually became the lamb, and this is what Pastor Rick preached. He approached approached to preach on that Jesus is the Passover lamb. So God would provide the lamb, and he did, and Jesus himself became the lamb. And we saw in the time of Exodus where Moses goes in to Egypt and led by God to lead out all of the Israelites, the children of God, and in the last plague sent to Pharaoh, and the nation of Egypt is this death angel is coming and he says, sacrifice a lamb. And they took the lamb and they spread the blood over the doorpost and with every person, every believer that had the, the, the lamb's blood of life spread over the doorpost, death passed them over. Death, where is your stink? Somebody prophesied that this morning. The Passover lamb. He became the lamb, the sacrifice for us. And God foreshadowed that through the, this whole amazing story of, G, uh, of the Passover where even in Egypt, God passed over and they were all delivered and set free. Right Today we're going to talk about Jesus and the living. He is the living water. We find this story in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses and the Israelites are out in the desert. And so the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sina, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded They camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. There wasn't even Gatorade. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What? am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go, I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock and the water will come out of it and the people will drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders and all of Israel and he strikes the rock and all the water comes gushing out and everybody drinks. <clears throat> Pretty awesome. Here's the rock. This is the rock that actually people believe was the actual rock at Horeb. And away from this rock is actually all this river basin, basically, where you can see that huge amounts of water were streaming out of this very location. This is all Bible archaeology, kind of nerdy if you want to go look at it. But it kind of proves this actually happened. This is the real deal. But he struck this rock, and boom, water starts to just 
gush out. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says about this story. It says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. And all of them ate the same spiritual food. And all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. And that rock was Christ. Say, what? That rock. Let's go back to that rock. That rock, or not, or yes. Yes, that rock was Jesus. This rock was a type or a foreshadowing of Christ. Look at what happens on the day that Jesus gave himself up on the cross. He was crucified for our sin. And when he was crucified, the moment that he died, this is what happened, Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split. Come on, and out of that came new life, salvation, living water began to pour out just like and the rock of Horeb where Moses strikes the rock one time and water comes spilling out, living water. See, without water, you die. Amen? In the desert, do you know, if you're on a desert and a horse with no name, it's good to be out of the rain, all right? You die with no water. This is what happens. And what, what this water represented was life for the children of God. And this exact story, this rock that was Christ when he was crucified, the ground shook, the temple veil was rent. And what happened when the temple veil tore from the top to bottom is the Holy of Holy was, Holies was then exposed to all of his people. The very presence of God was now exposed to all the people. So much the ground shook. I don't think that the earth split open by accident. And when the earth split open, the Holy of Holies opened up and living water poured out for you and me. It's pretty awesome. Here's something kind of crazy that happens. It's almost the exact story happens again in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. But it's a little bit different. <clears throat> in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped by Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. I guess that's just what you do. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates. Sweet pomegranates. And no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle while they fell down face on the ground. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the entire community and their livestock. So Moses did what he was told mostly and he took his staff from that place where he went and <clears throat> was where it was kept from the, by the, uh, 
kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather the rock, gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels. This is probably not exactly what I heard the Lord tell him to do, but listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water and pomegranates and grapes and fan leaves upon you from this rock? Must we bring water from this rock? Sorry, ad-libbing. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. And water gushed out. So the entire community and the, their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Mirabah, which means arguing. I was almost going to name my kid that, but I thought that it would really go bad for me. Because... There, the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Don't name your kid Meribah. You'll pay. But isn't this interesting? We see in the first story in Exodus 17, when the children of Israel were thirsty, God directed Moses to strike the rock of Horeb, and water gushed out and satisfied the people's thirst. Some years later in uh, Numbers chapter 20, the people were thirsty again, and the Lord instructed Moses to speak to the rock. But instead, he strikes the rock and cusses everybody out. Kind of. Sorry, Mo. I'm, I know you didn't really cuss him out, but you're mad at him. All right. Moses struck the rock twice and yells at everybody. God didn't allow Moses in because he blew this so bad. He didn't get to go to the promised land. Kind of like, man, that's a little bit harsh. That seems a little harsh. I mean, Moses, of all people, he went in and put his life through his life before Pharaoh, and, and, and he was the one that brought them out of captivity, prison. And, and he doesn't get to go in. He had to put up with all their grumbling and the Red Sea and the manna and all the other stuff. He had to do all that. And then he doesn't get to go in because he blows this one. Look, this is the thing. God had a plan. And Moses did not stick to the plan. Because God had a big picture plan. And it was way bigger than just saving the Israelites in the desert. No, God led the Israelites by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. The Holy Spirit led them right into the desert. Where there was no water. And they would be thirsty and have need and be without. So they could only look to him. The Holy Spirit led them there on purpose, set this whole scenario up so he could show himself off and reveal his glory and tell the story of the coming Messiah. He set him up. It's rigged. And all Moses needed to do was follow the instructions. Moses was a prophet. God spoke to him face to face. He knew when God was speaking to him. And he knew daddy said to do something, and he kind of got a little mad and did what he wanted. But if, if Moses didn't get corrected for this, we would not be able to see Christ in this story. That's why it's important that he kind of got a little spanking here, okay? It's because we get to look in and go, oh, what Moses did was wrong. He said, no, speak to the rock. Don't strike it. 
Why is that? See, he said, speak to it, don't, he didn't, he didn't say don't strike, he just said speak to it. He didn't want him to hit it again. And this is the reason why. Is Jesus was only struck one time. The Bible tells us he was, that the Messiah would be struck once. He would pay the price for our sins once for all. And because Moses goes in and then he strikes the rock a second time, he's messing it all up. Jesus doesn't die twice for your sins. He only dies once for your sin. Look, Romans chapter 5, verse 18. And this is the framework of the whole scenario. Is yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Adam blows it one time. Jesus fixes it one time. Only once. It only took once. God's sacrifice didn't take two times. He didn't want two types that were showing that, that he died twice or that he rose from the dead twice. Romans 6, 9, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has majesty over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. See, if Jesus died and then rose again and then died and then rose again, like we did this multiple times, but basically people would be like, well, did he actually really die? It would affect the, the, the miracle of the resurrection. And see, when Jesus died, he lived and he lived eternal. That took his sacrifice and made his sacrifice eternal. And it's important that we don't have any stories or anything that's trying to make us think Jesus did not live, then fully die fully man, fully die, be resurrected into a new body, a glorified body that lives on forever, and it's one sacrifice for all. The reason it's for all is because he was God, and then his life is now made eternal, and now his sacrifice is eternal. Ooh, thanks, Dick. Appreciate that amen back there, brother. Hebrews chapter 10, 12, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Just sit on that for a second. His sacrifice, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand, and there he waits until his enemies will be humbled and made a footstool under his feet. He is in control. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered a physical death but he was raised to life in the spirit. Just one time, real life to bring you home. Isn't that beautiful? And Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why is this scripture important? This is so important because God told Moses, speak to the rock. See, Jesus was to be struck down one time and living water would pour out from him. The temple was opened up. The Holy of Holies is opened up to you. And then from that point on, all you have to do is then speak to the rock and life will come out. See, in this second story, Moses was supposed to only speak to the rock. If he would have just spoke to it, then it would have been perfectly in alignment with what God was going to do, is you are set free because Jesus was struck down for you. He was bruised. He was crushed so you could be healed. He was whipped for your healing. But that was one time. And now you and I have access, and when all we do is speak to the rock. 
We say, God, save me. And just like this, he says, you believe upon the Lord and you call on his name and you will be saved. That's it. Man, if Moses would have just got that, he would have been in the promised land. Peter says this on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 17. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. Just speak to the rock, you'll be saved. Just call on the rock, you're gonna be saved. Paul says this to the Roman church in chapter 10, verse 12. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Living water pours out from the rock continuously, generously. It doesn't end. Is that good news to you? Come on. Jesus simply does all the heavy lifting, dies, and pours out his life, and you and I, all we have to do is just call on his name. He makes it easy. He makes it easy. But we kind of like to make things difficult, don't we? This is sort of what Moses was doing. He was, he, he was shifting the plan and making it a little more difficult. See, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the burden that Jesus wants you to have is light and easy. He goes, look, I'll be struck, and out of me will come living water. Then all you have to do is speak. You call on my name, and living water will pour out. It's light and easy. I'll do the hard stuff, you get the easy stuff. Does anybody like this plan? This is such a good plan. I am so grateful for this plan. But here's the thing, we're kinda like Moses. We really are, we're like Moses in this second story where sometimes we get it right, but then other times we just kinda wanna do it our way. Whether we're frustrated, whether we just you know, are impatient, we're like, oh, these people again, my kids again, whatever it happens to be. And we want to do it by our own works. See, Moses, he gets, he gets a little bit, you know, frustrated, and he loses focus. And I'm not exactly sure what he was thinking, but he wasn't really thinking straight. And he didn't remember or realize that God's ways are higher than our ways. His plans are, are, are just bigger than what we can see with our natural eyes. He didn't realize that God was setting up this huge story for him and that he was messing it all up. See, Moses kind of wanted to do it his way, and instead of speaking out of pride, he just wanted, or maybe frustration, he just yelled at everybody and he smacked the thing a couple times the way it worked the last time. And God, like, blows water out of the thing and he goes, oh, no. Moses, you just messed it all up. See, your works, you can't be saved by your works. Moses, trying to do it on his own, do it his way, it doesn't work like that. God sets a plan, we stick to it. His plan is this, Ephesians 2.8, it is by grace that you've been saved. 
through faith. It's not from yourselves. This is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is an ego-free salvation. You don't get credit. He gets credit. He's the rock that was struck that has living water coming out of it, not you. You get to give your burdens to him. Your burdens are heavy. His or light, he gives those back to you. But it's by grace. You have to be saved by grace and live by grace alone. Your religious plan won't save you. Your works won't save you. Your religious plan won't save you. God has a one-step program. Call on his name and be saved. He was struck down, and now for you and I, it's one step. Call on his name and be saved. Moses kind of wanted to create his own program. I'm going to yell at you, and then I'm going to smack the rock a couple times. You know what I'm saying? Like, in man's religion, in our own religious plans, if when man is left alone, we just create these complex, complicated steps of rungs on the ladder to reach the light. Every religion is like this across the entire world, throughout all world history. All the steps and things you got to do, smack this rock and lift that thing and then pray to that thing and then go move over there and crawl on this that long ways and when we lose sight of Jesus, we start wanting to do all that stuff. And we even look into the Bible and we start looking into the Word and try to go back and create all kinds of steps and rules for us to follow so we can be more righteous or made more right or be closer to God or whatever. All of a sudden, we're making it up on ourselves. We're like Moses, smacking the rock and yelling at everybody thinking that's going to get us closer to God or going to get somebody else closer to God. Some of y'all parent your kids like this. Uh-oh. Beating on stuff and telling them how they need to measure up. Yikes. How frustrated you are with them. Or we can go to the living water. We can call on his name. So we have a choice. We have a choice. We can speak to the rock and out will come living water or we can come up with our own plan. See, the Bible isn't going to save you, John 5, 39. Look, you study the scriptures. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. This is Jesus talking to them. He is the living water. He is the rock that life comes from. And he says this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you will have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life? In the New Living, it says, he said, Jesus says it like this. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. All the scriptures point to Jesus. When you read the Bible, it just points to Jesus. He says, you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Don't be like the Pharisees that want to have their own plan and make up their own stuff. Look, you and I, we just come to Jesus. He is the rock, the living water. And we just go to him. It's that simple. God, just fill me up with your living water. That's all we need. There isn't any other steps. It actually is that easy. It is that simple. And you know what? You and I need to not take the Bible and use it for something it's not made to do. God gave you the word, the living word, to point you to the living water. God gave you the living word to point you to the living water. That's Jesus. Everything you read should point you to him and you being in a relationship with him, being closer to him, becoming more like him. So when you read and it says do this and don't do that, that's just so you can be closer. You will look more like 
Jesus, live more like Jesus, not measure up or be saved more. He did all the saving. It's just God, I want to be close to you. Jesus is the only thing that's going to save you. That's it. You got to call on the rock. You know, one of the things that's so cool about this is in that scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says that that rock, the spiritual rock traveled with them. I'm not even sure what that means. Except it says it traveled with them, and out of that came living water, and that rock was Christ. John 7, 37, the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, sure it's no accident it was the last and the greatest day when he says this this is pretty much our greatest day anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them the living the living new living translation says the living water will come from his heart wherever you go that rock that is Christ follows you around and it bubbles up living water everywhere you go. You become a portable well. That's rad. You're a portable well. Everywhere you go, living water is, can bubble up outside of you. In John 4.10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God, that, uh, the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You become the well. The rock lives in you. It's portable. It travels around with you somehow, just like it did with the Israelites, and just produces life and water, free life for you. It's awesome. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. That rock was Christ. Revelation 21, 6, And he also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. Wow. In Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink to drink freely from the water of life, come. Come on. This is the simple response for us, is that we believe Jesus is the rock. He is the rock that was struck way back thousands of years ago by Moses, and out of that comes living water for you and I. Then he was crucified. He was struck on the cross, and out of that really came living water, life for you and I. And our simple response to become this portable living water well is all we have to do is say, Jesus, come. Speak to the rock. Just speak to the rock. Say, God, I need you. I need you to pour out in me. Fill me up. See, you're called to not just drink for yourself. You're called to be this portable well to provide water and life to everything around you. 
See, in this place in Revelation, there's a, there, there's a spot where it talks about that Jesus and the throne of the Lamb comes a river of living water that pours out, and as it goes out wider, it gets deeper from the throne of the Lamb. And everything along it is alive, bearing fruit. It's just growing like crazy. That's the life that comes from the Lamb. That's the life that's living inside of you. You and I will experience this living water into eternity. It never ends. That river's in heaven. That river is in heaven, and it's living and flowing in and through your life when you call on the name of Jesus. Some of us are so thirsty and so dry that we don't even have the thought that we would give water to someone else. But you and I need to get so filled up with the love and the power and the presence of God through his Holy Spirit. We need to be so in fellowship with his Holy Spirit and calling on his name that we're bubbling out and producing life for everyone around us, our families, our jobs, our workplace, the city, the state, the nation should be experiencing the power of the living water that's coming from that throne in heaven right into your heart, through your life, into everybody around you. Come on. But you have to call on his name. That's the thing. He said to Moses, speak to the rock. He's saying to you, speak to my rock that is Christ. Choose me and I'll come and live inside you and you'll be transformed and you will live forever. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But if you have haven't believed in me even though you've seen me however those the father has given me will come to me and i will never reject them there's never rejection in christ doesn't happen you don't get rejected i got rejected by all kinds of girls growing up i was that guy i should have bathed more something should have been different i got rejected a lot jesus will never reject you you might have experienced rejection in your life and there's some pain or trauma in your life that's going, I don't want to move towards God because I could get rejected. It can't happen. He'll never reject you. All that call on him, he says, come. I will never turn anybody away. Doesn't matter what you've done or where you come from or who you think you are. Jesus lived. He died for you. He's the living water. And all you got to do is call on his name and you will be saved and you will experience that fullness of his living water in your life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.